let me tease out a few points. I wish I could just leave it there, but let me tease out a few points because the church has so fundamentally jacked things up in the way we've handled homosexuality as a whole that I feel like we have to take a few steps back and a few deep breaths and we have to say, we got to make some things right. So church, I, I'm, if you're one of those people who's all pro... Um, how do I say this? If you're all duck dynasty... <laughs> This might get a little uncomfortable, okay? Number one, we have to create space for homosexual Christians to struggle with their sins in a safe, supporting environment. Let me explain something. The longer you live in a sinful lifestyle, any lifestyle, it it, it changes you. It's harder to get over. It's hard to work out. Sexual sin is particularly so. And this is the horror of internet pornography. You know why? Because sexual sin, they've proven it. Sexual sin actually hardwires your brain. Like, do the, go Google the neurological studies on pornography in the brain, but make sure you have someone sitting next to you. You will find that it literally hardwires your brain so that you automatically start processing everything in terms of lust and sin and sex. Now imagine it's not just a screen, but imagine you live that out for years on end in a homosexual relationship, and then you walk in the church one day, and then you hear the gospel, and you're like, oh, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Does that mean, bing, now I'm going to go marry a woman? No! It might, but that would be miraculous. For the vast majority of us, we have to do the hard work of rooting out sin and trusting Christ every day, every day, every day. I do not do what I want to do, but the very thing I do not want to do, I do, says the Apostle Paul. Every day, every day. So that means we have to be a safe place for people to struggle with homosexual desires. We have to be a safe place for them to come and struggle here we have to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. Do you know what destroys the power of sin, especially this type of sin, more than anything else? Dragging it out into the light. It's confessing it. If you confess your sins, right? That we should confess our sins to one another. As long as we take this sin and we say, oh, we don't talk about that here. You've got to keep that secret. You've got to keep that to yourself. As long as we do that, we give that sin a power over that person to grow and fester and destroy that person until it gets to a point where they say, I don't belong here anymore. Confessing to other Christians in a place of love, grace, and truth. Oh, my God. I struggle with this. It's terrible. I hate it. I want to change. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I was born this way. I want to be whole and healed. God, I need your forgiveness. I need your healing. We have to be a place where that prayer can be made publicly. But church, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it in your small group? Or when your friend or when your neighbor or when your child confesses that sin? Are you ready with the gospel? Are you ready to embrace them and cry with them and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk beside you in this. I'm not giving up on you. I love you. You're supported here. As long as you're struggling with this, you have a place here and I'm going to help you day after day 
after day because I need that same hope. Number two, we have to stop acting like same-sex attraction and sex is the unforgivable sin. It's not. Just because someone stumbles and falls with that particular sin does not mean they're not a Christian. It does not. If you stumble and sin, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. So let's be clear here. When we go through Romans chapter 1 and Paul goes through that list of sin and it goes from bad to worse. Homosexuality is in the middle. You know what was in the bottom of complete moral degradation? Disobedience to parents. That was almost at the bottom of the list. We need to put this in perspective, people. It's not the unforgivable sin. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says this. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. So what's the difference between the righteous person and the wicked person? Is it that the righteous person never ever falls into sin? No, they both fall. In fact, the righteous man falls seven times. Well, what's the difference? He gets back up again. He comes before his Lord and he falls before his knees and says, God, I've sinned. And I don't want to be this, and I don't want this in me, and I I want to struggle with this, and I need your grace and forgiveness to walk another day. And he picks up his cross and follows Jesus again and again and again. Number three, and last, we have to admit that in this fallen world, heterosexuality is just as messed up as homosexuality. The reason I put this this way is Some people seem to think that salvation for a homosexual is becoming heterosexual. Let let me tell you, becoming heterosexual, I've tried it, didn't get me saved. It doesn't work like that. Homosexuals and heterosexuals are saved the exact same way by repenting and believing in Jesus Christ alone. Okay, so let's... It's back up here. Somewhere along the way, evangelicals started acting like homosexually oriented people cannot be a Christian unless their orientation changes. But if we take that same logic and we apply it to anyone and their sin struggle, let's say, um, oh, let's say you struggle with lust again and again and again. So does that mean a man who continues to struggle with lust can't be a Christian? Half the church just left. How about Jesus said, um, do not worry. That's a direct command, pretty explicit. Okay, anyone who continues to struggle with worry cannot be a Christian then. Do, do we say that? Do we say that when you become a Christian, you can never worry again? No, we do say it's a sin. Lust is a sin. Worry is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin. And we have to struggle with that. But being saved does not mean that all your desires will instantly and automatically change. You have to root it out. You have to struggle with it. Remember, when God saved Israel out of Egypt, he saved them. They're saved. They're his people. He made his promise. He gave them his covenants, right? God saved them out of Egypt. And then what happened? Well, they had to wander through the desert for 40 years. And then they got into the promised land, right? You're in the promised land. You're God's people. Now what are you going to do? You've got to fight for it. Year after year after year, they had to fight for it. Christians, sin has rooted in our land, and we have to fight for this land to say this, 
stake the claim. This is God's kingdom. My life, my heart, my family, my home. It's God's kingdom. He will be worshipped here. And sin has to be fought year after year after year. Heterosexual, homosexual, it doesn't matter. So these three points that I just made are not comprehensive, but I do feel like we have to start there. That if we want to be the church that our world desperately needs today, we have to create a space for homosexuals to struggle. We have to stop acting like same-sex attraction is the unforgivable sin. And we have to admit that in this fallen world, heterosexuality is just as messed up as homosexuality.